Scripture this morning is from Psalm 37, verses 23 to 29. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteousness seeing the righteous forsaken, or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. This is God's word. All right, thank you. Um, I thought I could do it on my phone, but my phone keeps cutting out, and then I need to call my technical crew over. It's good, you know, we carry our own technical person uh, with us to help us with our phones. Um, well, we just got back um, from Europe uh, Thursday, and we, uh, for those of you who don't know, both of our older two children got married during COVID, so we weren't able to go to either wedding. But we also didn't get to meet our daughter-in-law's family because she's French. And so my son and uh, his wife are living in Strasbourg, France. So we went over to meet her family and to have a little, you know, bless them and to get to know them. And I tell you, it's being in another country, it's great. It gets you out of your comfort zone. When you're in France, you know how they, they greet with the two-cheek thing? It's called beezing, if you didn't know. We've learned that. Benjamin and I became experts. You know, and you bees everybody, like... <laughs> Like big hairy guys, like all of her family. She's got a large extended family and, and you, you can't just go, you don't actually kiss on the cheek, but you have to make the noise like you do. Did you know this? Who knew? You have, if you, I'm serious, she told, if you don't go, it doesn't count. You have to redo it. If you just go, but it's kind of awkward. People you never met, you know, you're like these gigantic guys going, but, you know, I learned bonjour, merci, you know, we're, we're, uh, and I had French speakers, so, but you know, it's, it's a different culture, it's a different land, and you can either demand that they become like you, or you sort of embrace the difference, viva la difference, right? And so, uh, it was great. So we had, uh, a little over two weeks there, and, um, weather was great, and we, yeah, we felt very blessed. We missed you all, though. So it's, um, this church is a great blessing. So, Rather than launch in next week, uh, after many, many, many weeks in Luke, we're going to launch in to a new series next week. Surprise. You'll, you'll, I'll, I'm not going to talk about that right now, but um, we're going to do, I want to just speak very briefly on Psalm 37, which we read two portions of today. So if you have your Bible, if you'd open up to Psalm 37, it's a very simple message, very stra- hopefully very straightforward, but in light of the... We live in a darkening world. I don't know how uh, Christians can see anything other than our world. It's been, it's not like it's necessarily just darkening the last few weeks or months. It's, it's a long-term thing. But, you know, looking and reading in Europe, it's interesting to be in another country when something like the shooting in Texas occurs and hear their reaction and see that. It's, it's an interesting thing. They don't exactly see it the same way we do, but... Um, Watching just the consequences of of evil and of darkness, um, 
my daughter, we, during our evenings there, we, um, we took turns sort of sharing what was on our heart and mind or Bible verses or whatever. And our daughter shared one night on Psalm 37 and I, I really got a lot out of it and thought, you know, I, I really want to share this with you guys. The, um, Basically, it's a question of why, Lord, how long, Lord, why the darkness? Why does evil seem to win? Why do the consequences, it just keeps rolling on? Why, Lord, what's going on? And um, this psalm was written by David when he was old. It says in verse 25, I, I used to be young and now I am old. That should be my life verse. Um, I... I This is a guy looking back on life, and as much as David is a man after God's own heart and and a man of great sin, we know, David experienced some things that could have made him quite bitter. You look at giants he faced like Goliath and the victories, but you also look at the man that he, uh, God said as king, Saul, made it part of his life's mission to kill David. And so David spent a good deal of his early days running away from the most powerful man in his kingdom trying to kill him. You've got his own son, Absalom, coming up against him and trying to overthrow him. His own child wanting to kill his father. What is that like to look and not grow bitter and to see the evil? How about his wife, Michael, despising him in her heart? and mocking him for wanting to worship God. I mean, that that's, that's a list right there, isn't it, of things going wrong. I don't know in your life, I know in my own things that I look at, either in my own world or in our world generally, and I think, man, what do I do, Lord? And why does it seem sometimes like those who ignore God don't live in reference to God do well? That question is something that the Bible asks often. It takes me back. I, I used to get so infuriated at Keith, a guy I knew in my Spanish class in high school. He got really good grades, and I knew exactly why, because I watched him cheat on every test. And I, I worked hard. I really wanted to learn Spanish and do well, and he would always get slightly better grades or the same grades I would. And I thought, what fairness is that? He doesn't study a lick. But I could see him looking over everybody else and thought, what? You know, it, it leads all, all these kind of questions, large and small, lead us to think, Lord, why, why, how long? The Bible is so realistic in its assessment of our world, and it's so radical in its call for the way we respond. So with that having been said, um, Let's look at Psalm 37. If you don't look at the Bible, if you just look at what's wrong with our world, it leads you to a couple things. It leads you to despair, and we, we're in an ep- epidemic of despair, especially among those who are younger, but I think in, in many. It often leads to acts of desperation and violence and self-harm. It can often lead to just distraction. I don't even want to see the world. It just looks so dark. So we busy ourselves or self-medicate or do stuff to help us. We don't, God, help us if we slow down and contemplate it because we don't have an answer. And here's what David in his old age, after looking at all the evil in his own world and in his life, said, Fret not yourself 
because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. The psalm is written in the style of Proverbs. It's wisdom literature. What wisdom literature is, is basic truths that teach us eternal truths. That's what wisdom literature is. It's not a, uh, it's not meant to indicate that there's a hundred percent immediate correlation between action and outcome. Do you understand the difference? So if we get like, uh, the Bible says, if you confess Jesus Christ with your heart, believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 100% correlation. You do this, this will happen. Wisdom literature would say, generally, if you act this way, this is the outcome. This is the way to live life. But it's not necessarily every minute 100% correlation between what you do and what happens. The don't in this psalm, don't fret because of evildoers. Now, fret... The word there, I'm not sure it's the best translation or not, because when I looked up the word and what it means, it really means don't get angry. Don't get mad. Every other place almost in the Bible where that word is used, it says don't get furiously mad. That to me is a little more like, that's what I get. I got mad at Keith for cheating. I get mad about what happens. The Bible says don't don't get mad about it because of wrong and darkness and... um, you know, don't become furious with anger. Don't be worried about it. Easy to say, right? Tell someone that's worrying not to worry. And they say, well, don't tell me not to worry. I am worried. It's just the way we are. But the second part, the corollary is don't be envious of wrongdoers. Don't be jealous because they're prospering. So this is repeated. This is the point my daughter made when she was talking about it is that This statement is repeated over and over again in this psalm. Uh, I won't give you each and every verse where it's repeated, but five times. Don't fret over this, David is telling us. Don't fret. And it's the exact same verse. Proverbs 24, 19 says exactly this. So son Solomon must have maybe heard daddy David talk about this. And it's the exact same words. Don't fret because of evildoers. Don't be envious of those who are doing wrong. So it's not just a one-time action, but it comes again and again. So what do we do? That's what we don't do. What do we do? So let me tell you two things. First, it doesn't mean that we don't work for just outcomes. It doesn't mean that we're going to over-spiritualize this. We need to, when we see things that are wrong, Christians are put here, and the Bible tells us this over and over again, to work for the welfare of others. So that's just one kind of overarching thing. And the second is realizing that this is not a battle against flesh and blood. Ultimately, whatever is going on has spiritual roots in it. So you know, we, we don't want to get angry at the wrong thing and angry at people for what ultimately is, is a spiritual battle. But let's, first thing, and is it... Uh, Here's the takeaways here. I want to give you five things that I think we can do when life gets wanting us to fret. First thing, take a deep breath and take a step back. Take a step back. Verse 10 in this psalm says this, In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place or where he lives, he will no longer be there. Well, can I tell you that my little while and God's little while are sometimes different lengths of time? (laughs) 
I've told God this many times. And uh, take a step back. Okay. First step back. Everybody breathe in. Hold your breath a second. Breathe out. That's your life. The Bible says our life is a breath. That can be incredibly discouraging or incredibly encouraging, all depending on your perspective. What I'm trying to say is this. Remember that life is short and your decisions matter. And what you think you just can't live with another, the, the agony that you feel, the depression you feel, the strain you feel. Hang on. Life is a breath and God is bigger. Second thing is I want you to remember as we were flying back, um, I'm not the best traveler in the world. My wife, I travel with the best travelers in the world, but I'm not the best traveler in the world. So when we were, you know, we walked all over a little bit in Portugal and, and in France and, uh, you know, we saw a teeny, teeny little bit of both of those countries, but we, my steps, like, I put a lot of steps, you know, I did my little, my phone has a counting of steps, like, I was way over, my, my, my phone is congratulating me all over Europe, oh, you're walking so many steps, I'm like, I'm just trying to keep up with my family, and, uh, and as we're walking, and we saw such a teeny part of two relatively small countries for the world, and then flying back, it's a lot of water. You know, Portugal's right on the Atlantic, and it's hour, and I'm just looking down, and it's a lot of water, hour after hour at 500 miles an hour, and not a boat, not uh, no fish, no, I'm, I'm sure they run to the water, but I couldn't see them. But it's just, it seems like, it seems so large. And that's the way when you're, we're fretting and when we're anxious over whatever is happening in our world or in your world, we see it as like the Atlantic Ocean or like all the steps we take. Let me just take a step back. All right, here's first picture, all right? Here we have the picture of the earth. That's the whole earth. I walked, you know, one thousandth of one thousandth percent of the earth the last few weeks. My legs are still tired, but I walked a very small part. And it looks pretty big when you compare it to Venus and Mars and Mercury and Pluto, right? So let's go back. What's next? Look at the bottom left. That's the Earth. Jupiter's pretty big in comparison to the Earth, right? Try walking all over Jupiter next time when the, whenever they get the, you know, vacation spots in Jupiter. That'll be a lot of walking. Of course, it's like a gas planet, so that's not going to help. But anyway, okay, Jupiter's down here, and here's the sun, right? Probably no trips there, all right? Now let's go. Now let's get to a few bigger stars. The sun, by comparison, is now down here. Earth's invisible at this point. It's nothing. There's Arcturus, just a regular-sized star. We'll go. We'll go one more. We can go bigger. But Antares. All right. Jupiter's invisible by this point. The sun is one pixel. The Earth is nowhere. Our God made that star, which is not the biggest star. In the biggest universe, he made it with his hand. He made it with a wave of his fingers. All that we get that is so overwhelming to us. And I'm not saying it's good and I'm not saying it's right. And we should work for in our world and in the world and what's going on. But please 
take a step back and remember that God is bigger. That if He could create this in the wave of His hand, whatever despair or agony or depression or fretting we have is nothing in the eyes of our God. And He loved you so much that He sent His one and only Son that if you will believe in Him, you will never perish. Please, please keep that in mind as, we're t- as we tend to fret. Now, if you'll read with me, along with me, as I'm going to read verses 3 through 7 as we close, there's a few other do's besides taking a step back as we're tempted to fret. These are reiterated over and over again in this 40-verse psalm, which is an acrostic, by the way. Acrostic, he starts with, it's not the right alphabet, I know, but like the first letter starts with A and then B and then C. So each one of these. So um, David wrote it that way as a kind of a, probably a memory tool. Here are the do's, it says. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now that verse, you heard of that verse, right? That's probably the one verse in Psalm 37 and growing old. That probably, you've probably heard that. It's easy to put that one on a mug, on a coffee mug. It's a great verse. But look at the context of it. David is looking back at his life and saying, it is so easy to fret over all the wrong that's been done to me. It's so easy, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to delight myself in the Lord and he's going to give us the desires of our heart. And you say, well, what, I have a lot of desires in my heart. Can I suggest to you that I think he gives you a desire of your new heart, not your old heart, but maybe a sermon for another day? So we trust and we do good and we delight ourselves in God. C- continuing verse 5, commit your way to God, trust in him, And he will act. Say that. He will act. Just like his timing, however, if you're going to tell God what to do, you're being God. Guess what? (laughs) It's one God and you're not him. But he will act. His promise, and this is a promise, he will act. He just may not act the way you'd like him to. But if you will commit your way to him, if you will trust in him, he will act. And he will act for your best. God always gives us his best. Sometimes his best involves suffering. Sometimes his best involves difficulty. Bible promises that. Don't be surprised, brethren, by the fiery trials that come upon you as though some strange thing are happening to you. In this is God's will. He will act. He will give you his best. Because he gave you Jesus, who, by the way, suffered a little bit while he was on earth as the Lord God gave his son his best for us. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light. Your justice will come as the noonday. I want justice first thing in the morning sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't arrive till midday. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Oh, Meredith Ann's notes are so good on here. I think I'm just going to read you what she had on her Bible. <laughs> Delayed gratification. Man, this I should just 
read this. This is fabulous. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. So trust, do good, delight in God, commit your way to him, be still and wait for God. This is not what the world would say we do. Right? It would say, find a really fun app or a binge watching show or, uh, you know, make sure you blur your mind or just, you know, there's all kinds of techniques. The Bible has the best word, which is remember that the God who created the immeasurable universe loved you enough to know your name and call you from darkness to light. That's all we need to know. I want to close with this. I was, I've been, uh, some of us are memorizing the Sermon on the Mount and it, it grabbed me as I was studying Psalm 37 that Jesus, I always thought Jesus came up with the meek shall inherit the earth. It's right there in Psalm 37. Look at verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the land. The word for land you can translate earth or land. The meek shall inherit the land. In the, in the, the gospel, one of the things I, I love about Jesus, he says, it is your father's good pleasure to what? Have you work for his kingdom? Have you work for that? No, to just give it to you. It's your father's good pleasure to just hand it to those who have their arms outstretched and want to receive every good thing that God has for you. Put your arms. We're going to put our arms out, metaphorically speaking. And you can do it physically, too, if you want. And just say, Lord, I, I want to receive every good gift as I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And everything I need is going to be added unto you. Everything you want, maybe. But as your heart becomes changed, he'll give you the desires that as he changes your heart. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the simplicity. I thank you that David grew in his faith and stayed faithful to you, repenting when he sinned and looking to your answers at the things in his life that had gone wrong and growing. Lord, as we wait on you, as we trust in you, as we commit ourselves to you, delight in you, we want to find our satisfaction in you. We want to find our worth in you. We want to find our identity in you. We want to look to you. Lord, we know this world can never satisfy what we really long for. Lord, so we leave our reputation to you. Lord, we want to put in your hands that which is going wrong around us, people who are doing evil. Help us not to get angry about it, but to commit ourselves to you, to work for justice, Lord, but to ultimately know that you who created heaven and earth know best how to separate, Lord, those who trust in you from those who don't, and that we don't need to help you, that you're not asking us to help you be God, but you're asking us to trust in you as God. So, Lord, we, we thank you that when we when our grip's weak and we can't hold on to you and we can't see you, that we trust that you're holding on to us. You've got us safely in your hand. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.